Hey, and welcome to Epistle, a devotional podcast that goes through the New Testament one book at a time. We're going to continue on in the book of Romans, chapter 8, starting in verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life, because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are, heir, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. You're going to see a lot of tie-ins here to the book of Galatians, and we've talked about this before in previous episodes as we've gone through Romans. But you'll also see a tie-in to the book of 1 Corinthians as well as Paul starts talking about the resurrection and what this means about being tied to the Spirit and the Spirit of God working in and through us, but especially when he starts talking about being uh, a part of the family of God and calling out to God, Abba, Father, you're going to see a direct tie to Galatians 4. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But right now, to just recap a little bit of the doctrines that we've covered so far, the teachings of Christianity, what the Bible tells us and teaches us and shows us about what we believe, who we believe in, and so on and so forth. What we've seen so far is the nature of God. We've seen his nature and characteristics. We've seen the doctrine of sin and the consequences of disobeying God. We've seen the doctrine of Jesus, God's son, uh, the second person of the Trinity, where God takes on flesh upon himself to redeem us from sin. We've seen the doctrine of justification, that God views us as though through Jesus as though we had never sinned. We see the doctrine of faith, where we trust and believe that God is able to do what he promises, even when it doesn't make sense. And we've looked at that with the person of Abraham in Romans chapter 4. We've seen the doctrine of sanctification, relying on Jesus as we live in obedience to God, as God continues to work in and through us, which it leads us to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit that we read about very much in these verses. God living within you, working in you, continuing to draw him closer to himself, despite the fact that we continue to sin, right? We're not living in sin, but we continue to sin because we are still on this side of eternity. Paul is revealing even more to the Romans what it looks like to live in faith, right? There's benefits that you receive now that you trust in God. There's the benefits of having peace with God, to being able to live in obedience, to be able to have the Holy Spirit at work in your heart, but there's more that plays out later on. There's more consequences, and not all consequences are bad, right? Some are good. Christians still die. 
That's a consequence of sin. That's a bad consequence. But the good consequence of belonging to God and being a part of this, living in faith and obedience to him through Jesus, we have the fact that we are able to look at as Christians to see and recognize that death is not the end. This is seen in what happens to Jesus. We follow in him. We follow him in this because Jesus, as he dies and then later is glorified, when our faith is in him, that is very much what will happen. And you'll read about that when we cover 1 Corinthians. There's an interesting verse here that Paul, uh, or turn of phrase that Paul uses uh, when he starts talking about children of God in verse 14 of Romans 8. And those who live in faith are often referred to by this title. They are children of God. Which leads us kind of this to this question, well, what does that mean, right? It's a legal declaration. And Paul is tying into the fact uh, and the practice of adoption. This has happened back at this time and it happens today, where imagine you, that you are in a courthouse and the judge declares that a person has been adopted by a family. Now, that's pretty remarkable to, to watch and there's all sorts of YouTube videos that you could watch and tumble down that rabbit hole, grab a box of tissues because it's highly emotional, right? But because it's this beautiful picture where beforehand, this person did not belong to any family or they didn't belong to anybody. They were just on their own individually, whether that be foster kids or or whoever. But now through the act of adoption, the, the court legally declares that you now belong to this family. You have full legal rights to become a part of a greater picture of this greater family. And in that legal declaration, you have the right to become an heir when your uh, when the adults pass away, right? When inheritances are being distributed, you have a legal right to be able to say, I'm this person's child. I belong to this family. I have a right to that to that heirloom, to become an heir of this inheritance. And becoming a child of God, this is a legal declaration where God declares us as a part of his family. We didn't belong to that family beforehand. We didn't belong to anything. We were slaves to sin. But Paul here is saying that through the Spirit of God, the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The, God, the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in our hearts to make us a part of God's family. And, and as becoming an heir, what does that mean? It means that as Jesus becomes the heir of God and everything that God gives him, God gives all things to him, all glory and honor and power and authority. And when Paul writes that we become co-heirs, what he's saying here is that we don't become equal to Jesus, right? We don't become God, but we become co-heirs with him. We receive that, uh, that glory where our bodies are glorified when we go to heaven. We are currently given authority and power as Jesus has commissioned us in Matthew 28. We become co-heirs of a greater inheritance, and we look forward to that inheritance being finally and ultimately realized when we die and go to heaven and are united with God forever. We look forward to that. And that is what Paul is pointing at in these verses. But he ends on kind of an interesting note. So take a look at verse 17 as we consider today's takeaway question. Why do you suppose Paul brings up sharing in the suffering of Christ right after talking about sharing in his glory? Thanks for listening to Epistle. 
You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram page at E underscore Pistle. You can find all of the episodes for this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.